Let's love the Lord together in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus, we magnify your day. Oh, we love you, Lord. Hallelujah, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You reign forever. We praise your mighty name, oh God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It is indeed an honor. If you could just remain standing for just a few moments. But it is indeed an honor to be standing in this place to serve this great district with you. We have some tremendous, tremendous ministers of the gospel. We have tremendous leaders, both men and women, doing a great job. And we appreciate that so very much. I'm excited this week to see our three camps in one continue to grow in a lot of different ways. How about Kids Quest? Thank God for Brother Ethan Hethcox. And did not Pastor Bry Lycan preach today? Wow, what a word. What a word today. Praise God. To our district board, department directors, camp leadership, and those we get to serve with, we have a first-class group of people that lead in a, such a wonderful district. Looking forward to hearing Brother Taylor tomorrow. Going to be a great time. Amen. The Sams, glad to have them back again in the Kids' Quest. And Bishop and Sister Carpenter will be here tomorrow. Amen. We're going to get some word this week. Can you thank the Lord for that? To our missionaries or soon-to-be missionaries in this house, I salute you. To our pastors that are in this house, I salute you. To our evangelists that are here tonight and ministers of the gospel, whether you be a part of the ALJC or not, you're part of the kingdom, we welcome you in this place tonight. I feel, a lot, I feel a lot more comfortable for a couple reasons tonight than when I first walked into the building. Number one, the Medora Pentecostal Church praise team. Amen. They, that, that's, that's my favorite. I'm just, I'm just, I'm partial. But they did such a tremendous job. And the children's choir, just, mm. Then our, our adult choir, Sister Comer, my wife looked at me and said, if you can't preach after this, you might as well quit. <clears throat> so if you see me turn around, I just, I'm done. They just did everything great. We appreciate them so very, very much. I've asked my bishop to sit on the platform with us. I appreciate him so much. He's my covering, my help, my strength, my hero. I'm glad he is here. To my family, that is here tonight, our kids, grandkids, everyone, my lovely wife. I love and appreciate you so very much. Let's get to the word. What do you say? Open your Bibles with me to the book of Joshua chapter 3 and verse number 1. Joshua 3 and verse number 1. And Joshua rose one early in the morning moved from Shittim 
and come to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. Somebody say, before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way hitheretofore. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for, the Lord, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. With the help of the Lord tonight and with yours, I want to minister on this topic. It is time to pass over. It is time to pass over. I said it's time. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come before you. I stand in desperate need tonight of the Holy Ghost help. You're anointing to fall, Lord Jesus, upon, Lord, this vessel. Let me speak, oh God, as you would desire. Say nothing more and nothing less, but give you glory, feed your people, and help us to pass over in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Would you clap your hands, oh you people? Shout it to God with the voice of triumph in this house. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Aren't you thankful for the Word of God? Aren't you thankful for the book of books called the Holy Bible? It is divinely inspired collection of 66 books. It is definitely anything but ordinary. This holy book is indeed the Word of God. It reveals God's plan and God's purpose for man. God inspired some 40 different writers over the span of some 1,600 years to record his word. He spoke through shepherds. <clears throat> he spoke through farmers, tent makers, physicians, fishermen, priests, philosopher, and kings. This book, this book claims to be logically consistent and provides verifiable and empirical evidence that supports the claim that it promotes. Secular professors have tried to disprove it. Philosophers have tried to denounce it. Pagans have tried to destroy it. Yet this book, the Word of God, remains consistent, reliable, 
and true. It is historically reliable. It is historically consistent. Amen. Author Brian Cosby said, if the Bible is full of errors, contradiction, and lies, then Christians are the most pitiful and gullible group of people on earth. But on the other hand, if the Bible is true in every detail, then we should take our lives and eternity and its message to be true. It is true. The National Geographic staff archaeologist Dr. George Stewart confessed that the Bible is, quote, a valuable reference tool, unquote, in pinpointing archaeological sites. Over and over and over again, the Bible has proven to be consistent historically, geographically. Uh, it has been consistent, consistent prophetically. Over and consider this for, for your uh, observation tonight. David wrote about the crucifixion 1,000 years before Christ died on the cross. But he also wrote 500 years before the very first recorded crucifixion. How did he know that? How did he know that there would be such a, a, a way and means of cruelty? Amen. If we believe that this book tells the truth uh, historically, geographically, and prophetically, then we must also believe that its precepts and its principles and its plan is to be considered true, precise, reliable, and trustworthy. If God's word is right about places and people and it's right about uh, geo geogra uh, geographical location, if the Bible reveals the right information about Jerusalem, then let me tell you, it also reveals the right way to get to the new Jerusalem. Paul said all scripture, all scripture it's given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto good works. Uh, amen. The psalmist declared, he said, I'm going to worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and thy truth, for thou hast magnified the word, thy word, above all your name. Hallelujah. Paul said that the things which happened in Scripture was done for our example and was written for our admonition. I want to tell you, we don't have time to choose the Bible like going to Golden Corral and eating a smorgasbord and picking and choosing what we want. Amen. This book is true. It is precise. Amen. It'll tell you the way to get to heaven. It'll tell you that you've got to repent of your sins. You have to be buried in the name of Jesus and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It will tell you that there is one Lord, one faith. Hallelujah. It will tell you that there is a heaven to gain and a heaven to shun. It will tell you about the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. It will tell you about how to live, how to dress, how to talk, how to do incredible things. But I want to tell you tonight, it's also true about the promises. It's true about the power. It's true about the victory. It's true that we can be healed in Jesus' name. That devils can be cast out. If it's true geographically, 
Our creator king created humanity, male and female. I didn't say that. The book says that. Genesis 1, 27 and 28 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. If it was true for Adam and Eve in the garden, it is true for camp meeting 2025 or 23. It is true for us today. Being fruitful, multiplying, replenishing is what we're to do. That's what we're to do. Subduing and having dominion is how we're to do it. Subduing speaks about government. Dominion speaks about authority. God wants us to be fruitful in right government and right authority. God wants us to be replenishing the earth in right government and right authority. God has a plan, and his plan was simply this. I created people with a purpose, and that is I want you to go, disperse, be fruitful, multiply, replenish, and have dominion. He didn't say have dominion in the garden. He said have dominion over all the earth. He didn't say you just would have dominion in your home. He said that you would have dominion in over all the earth. He didn't say you just have dominion in your church. He said you'd have dominion over all the earth. One reason God got mad at Babel is because they settled down. They quit going. They quit advancing. And God got mad at them and, and punished them, gave them a bunch of language and said, if you won't go, I'm going to make a way. You got to go. You have to go. Somebody say, I got to go. It is God's plan for you and I to advance his kingdom everywhere we go. Advance his kingdom on the job. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost now, so I'm feeling a lot better. Amen. It's, it's, our, it's our mission to advance the kingdom on our job, at school, at home, at our church. Everything we do, Paul said, do all for the glory of God. God created mankind to be a moving embodiment of his authority. A movement, if you please. God called the first Hebrew, Abraham. Abraham, here's your destiny. I want you to leave Ur and head for a territory that I prepared for you. Abraham, I want you to move. I want you to advance. I want you to go forward. But if you're going to do that, you got to leave something. And so in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 13, Abraham was called the first Hebrew. His descendants would become known as the Hebrews. The word Hebrew is an interesting word for it means to traverse or to pass over. What they were essentially was saying to Abraham, you are the stranger who passed from one side to the other. You are the stranger who passed over. The very 
name Hebrews signifies that God's people are to be progressive, growing, advancing, walking in authority, taking territory, getting what God wants to be done. Hebrews 11 and verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go, to go out into a place which he should, uh, after receive for an inheritance, it says he obeyed and he went out, not knowing whether he went. But look at this, by faith, by faith, by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise and in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked, mm, I said he looked for a city. He looked for a territory he had not been before. He looked to lay claim to an area he had not trodden upon before. He looked for something to conquer. That's why he's called a Hebrew. The history of the Hebrew nation paints a picture of a continuation of that thought. For you will find in Genesis 12 and 1, the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house and unto a land. Everybody say territory. Every time tonight you hear me read the word land, think territory. I'm going to show you a territory, and I'm going to make you a great nation, and I'm going to bless thee, and I'm going to make your name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. If you're going to be a blessing, though, Abraham, you got to go out. you got to leave, and you have to pass over. The Lord gave him the promise. He gave him the promise that there would be a land wherever where he walked. He said, I'm going to bring you into this land. I'm going to give you this land. I swear unto you, I'll give unto you this land. I'll give it to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. I'll give it as a heritage because I'm the Lord. Woo! Somebody say, he's the Lord. He's the Lord. Amen. The message was crystal clear and the promise was crystal clear. He said, there's a place of promise I want to give you and you're going to live there. I'm going to give you this land. It is your destiny. And God said, I'm going to want you to walk over into it. But to get there, you got to pass over. You know the story, and I'm just going to run through it real quickly. You know the story. Jacob and his family went down into Egypt, and they went down some tribes. But when they come out of Egypt, after several hundred years, they come out a nation. They went to sojourn, and they stayed in Egypt. Uh, there's some places you better not have a mentality. I'm just going for a while. I'm just going to let my kids play ball for a while and keep them out of church for a while. Amen. It just might be that they're going to stay in Egypt. That's not in my notes. But there came a point in their, their tenure of time where slavery became their daily position and they began to be under bondage and, it, and, and they had the whips upon their back until somebody said, God, get us out of here. I'm preaching to a group of people today that know what it was to be under the dominion of sin, to know what it was to be bound by the habits of this world. And one day you said, God... Get me out of 
out of here. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to say, it's an exodus when you repent of your sins and you go through the Passover. Amen, I'm coming out. I don't live in Egypt. I'm coming out. They came out with a strong arm and a mighty hand. I'm not going to read all the texts from Deuteronomy 26. But if you look at Deuteronomy 26 and verse 8. Sorry back there, media people. Roll with me. The Lord brought us forth out of Egypt. How? With a mighty hand. With a mighty hand. And with an outstretched arm. And with great terribleness. Woo! That means he brought us out with wonders and signs and with an awesome testimony. I come out with an awesome testimony. Has anybody ever been delivered from Egypt? Oh, you ought to thank God that he brought you out. Passover. Passover speaks of repentance. They had to all go through the blood if they were going to get out. They all went through the blood. Then they headed out. Do you know what happened the very first day that they traveled? The very first day, these discombobulated former slaves all of a sudden looked and there was a pillar of fire and a cloud by day, a pillar of cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night. I don't know about you, and it made my chest just stand down and say, yeah, I'm a part of these Hebrews. Yes, I am. We're marching and moving. We're marching and moving. Then they come to the Red Sea waters. You know the story. The waters parted, and they went through on dry ground. They saw a great miracle. Amen. Somebody said it was just a reed sea and it was only a, a little few inches high and they walked across it. Well, that's a better miracle than just parting the waters because all those Egyptians drowned in about six inches of water. The New Testament writer said that we were all, they were all baptized, amen, under Moses. The Red Sea speaks about water baptism, that I'm coming out of sin of Egypt. I've been buried in his name, hallelujah, and my enemy of my flesh was buried in that water. And 50 days from Passover, they find themselves at Mount Sinai and they're standing as the, as the mountain begins to billow with smoke and dark cloud and, and Moses goes up and he gets the law. Do you know what it was? It was the first Pentecost. It was the first Pentecost. Hallelujah. So the law speaks about the giving and the outpouring of the Pentecost, of the power of God. In the Old Testament, it was law. 50 days from Calvary, there was an upper room where the Holy Ghost was poured out. Yeah. 
don't need a GPS, got a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. I got light and warmth. I got shade and cool. I'm blessed. I wish somebody turned to three people and tell them I'm blessed. I'm blessed. They went from the Red Sea to the waters of Mara. Bitter waters that God turned to be sweet and took care of a nation. Hallelujah. At Mount Sinai, and when they came to Mount Sinai, you will find that Moses made at least seven trips up Mount Sinai, possibly eight. You will find that the giving of the law was there. The giving of the Ten Commandments, civil ceremony and moral laws were given. Amen. God had a plan to teach people how to live and how to get along with other folks and how to take care of their animals and how to treat. And, and he had a plan for them. He had a plan on how to build the tabernacle. He told them exactly by detail how they were to construct the tabernacle, what kind of material it was supposed to be. He told them how the priest was to dress. Uh-huh. Hallelujah. Do you know he told them how to dress before they were ever anointed? Is that all right? Okay. Just make sure I'm in an apostolic camp. You know the story. He went down and he found them with, with, with the golden calf worshiping and debauchery and all that kind of stuff. And he goes back up again and has to get the Ten Commandments a second time. And, and, and you see all this going up and down and the smoke and the cloud. And, and, the, and, and it's just there on one emotional roller coaster after another. And so after he comes down the last time from Mount Sinai, year two begins with the dedication of the tabernacle. So year one, they're there. They get the law and they start building in year two they dedicate the tabernacle and then you know what happened I'm going to read from another translation so hold on with me numbers 10 11 and 13 it says now in the second year in the second month on the 12th of the month the cloud was lifted from above the tabernacle of the testimony and the sons of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of Sinai. Then the cloud settled over to the wilderness of Paran. And that verse 13 says, so they moved for the first time. After two years, they had been sitting around Sinai. All of a sudden, the cloud moves and so they got to move and they start heading out. After two years of revelation, two years, of instruction, two years of law giving, two years of teaching you how to worship, teaching you how to dress, teaching you how to live holy, teaching you how to make sure you don't mess up and, and do things you shouldn't do. Two years and then making of the tabernacle. These Hebrews, if you please, are now marching and moving. And do you know what God, God does to them? Is that he brings them to the brink of the Jordan River. And he says, y'all ready? Y'all ready? Y'all ready? You ready to pass over? Oh, yeah, we are. Land flowing with milk and honey. We got, we got, we got grapes this size. Big clusters. Pomegranates that'll blow your mind. We got land flowing with milk and honey. We going. We going. And so he sent the spies over. And when they got there, all of a sudden, there was 10 of them that started looking at the milk and honey, but beyond the milk and honey was the ites. 
the Canaanites, the Persecites, the Jebusites, and the Gergesites, and, and the Amorites, and all the otherites, and, and they were giants, and they were big, and they said, listen, we cannot do that. And they go back, and what do they give? They give an evil report. An evil report. Amen. They said, we cannot do it. It's impossible. We just can't make it happen. And they gave them an evil report. They had grapes. Amen. The size so big they had to have it on sticks to carry the clusters. They had pomegranates and they had figs. And they look at it. Look, look how good this is. Look what God has promised us. Look where God said, go take the territory. He said it was ours. But Tim said, Oh, we're grasshoppers. We see ourselves as grasshoppers. We can't do it. And so they brought an evil report, and that evil report of unbelief settled into the people, and the people took a hold of it, and God was angry with them because of their unbelief. Now, he had already put up with their grumbling and griping and complaining. When they were hungry, he sent them manna. When they were needing bread, uh, uh, he gave it to them. When they wanted meat, he gave them meat. Uh, he blessed them and kept them in their wars. He he put, he put clothes on them and their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes would, would grow with that child as that child would go. Go read it sometime. God provided for them miracle after miracle. Water out of a rock. God provided. And then they said, no. When you study, we often talk about them wandering in the wilderness. First two years around Sinai, then they headed up close to the Jordan River and the spies went out. And when they come back and give the evil report, the Lord said, okay, you're going back to Kadesh Barnea and you're going to camp there. We talk about wandering in the wilderness. Do you realize they didn't wander? They stayed in one location for 38 years. For 38 years, they stayed in one location. And during that time of waiting for everybody to die, waiting for a whole generation to die, because the Lord said, you are not going in. I'm going to wait till the next generation. And so Moses, for 38 years, writes the book of Deuteronomy and begins to remind them about everything God did for them, about every miracle God blessed them with, uh, about how God took care of them. He reminded them of the good things. And yet they said, we do not want to pass over. It is my opinion that they become comfortable in the wilderness. They were being spoon-fed. They were being blessed with manna. They were being blessed with miracles. Why do I want to go fight giants? Why do I want to go in here? I'm blessed. I got word. I've got worship. I've got law. I can get along with my brother. I've got all that I need. I mean, I'm happy in my tent. I don't need to go any further. I'm going to tell you tonight, this is where this generation is facing in this hour. We've got worship, and we've got word, and we've got praise, and we've got all the things that God has blessed us with. But what God is wondering, are you ready to pass over? Are you ready to go into a new dominion with God? Are you willing to go over into a greater relationship with God?
their evil report of unbelief set them on a course of more unbelief and doubt and fear. Look at what Hebrews records of this. Amen. Let's go to Hebrews 3 and verse 8. The writer of Hebrews writing to the church says, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation. What is he talking about? The evil report. In the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart. Amen. They have not known my ways, so I swear in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Can I tell you, they were Hebrews. They were Israelites. They had the lineage of Abraham. They had the blood and the DNA of Abraham. They had come out of Egypt. They had gone through baptism, and they had gone to an upper room experience. Amen. But God was not wanting them to stop there. We preach, and we say, we say colloquial words like we're on the verge of revival. We're on the verge of revival. God's about to do something great. I just feel like something good is about to happen. We talk about it in abstract forms. We talk about the promised land because our grandfathers had it. And we talk about the days of old. But what God is saying, generation of this hour, are you going to step in? Are you going to cross over the Jordan into your promise? The writer of Hebrews in chapter 4, verse 1 says, Let us, therefore, in this generation, fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem, seem to come short of it. I listen and I watch as people seem to fight the same battles fight the same devils, fight the same issues. I watch, I watch as parents lose their children to the LGBT, QYZ, double Z, whatever. They lose them to a world. They lose them to homosexuality, to the spirit of this age. And it's almost like I throw up my hands. What am I going to do? That is a wilderness mentality. That is a wandering mentality. Because on the other side, we, we, we like to talk about the promised land being heaven. Well, can I just tell you, there's no giants to fight in heaven. There's no battles to win on the other side. But on the other side, the Lord said, the land is yours. I've given it to you, and I'll give you everything you need to win. They had worship, they had word, they had pomp and circumstance, they had miracles, they had revelation, 
They had manifestation. But they didn't pass over. God provided for them and provided for them. They were constantly fighting the same old battles over and over and over again. Momentary victories, but not lasting dominion. These are three things the Lord spoke to my spirit today in the service. As Brother Lycan was preaching, and I felt that in my spirit that the Lord was saying there are three issues that they would not conquer and would not deal with. Well, we can talk about their unbelief. We can talk about their fear, and that's so true. But this came to me. The first problem that they had that kept them from passing over is they were ev- addicted to events. Addicted to events. Here I am preaching at an event. But we've got the mentality today that if I can just get to that conference, if I can just get to that camp meeting, if that preacher could show up and prophesy over me, if I could just go to church where this one pastors, if I could just be a part of this, like some kind of event is going to hocus pocus, change everything. They were addicted to the manna and still yet they grumbled. They were addicted to the miracles and the rock being struck and and a river come out of it. They were no longer blown away by a Red Sea parting. They just simply said, let's have a new event. God's going to take care of us. We're going to go camp somewhere. That pillar of cloud's going to always be there. That pillar of fire's going to always be there. That manna is going to always be there. Addicted to events. If we can put on a good enough event, God's going to step in. If I could plan it well enough, if I could have it looking good enough, if I could have enough people there. I am not against events. I believe they have their place. But they had close to 3 million people, and that didn't change nothing. We are so, so addicted to just simply saying, if I can show up and they sing that song, if I can show up and they have that look on the screen, if I can show up and, and the air conditioner is just right, if I can show up and the sound system is right, and I can show up and they're doing this and that preacher's gonna preach on Acts 2.38, or if I can show and we are addicted to events. That's why we can't cross over sometimes. Events. The second thing come to me today is that Israel had a problem focusing on their emotions. Up, down, up, down. One day they're getting manna and the next day they're cussing God. One day they're getting blessed, and the next day they're griping and grumbling about Moses, and they're griping about this. One day they're, they're seeing God provide, and another day they're saying, you brought us out here to die. Dear Lord, they were some emotional people. They were stuck on their emotions. They were stuck on their feelings. We are living in an hour where that is the way the world works. That's not how the church works. The church works by faith and not by feelings. It doesn't matter if I feel an ounce of anything. 
he is still God and his word is still right and his way is still true. If I could just have those doodads run up and down my back, amen, the only thing is that a lot of times we got doodads on Sunday and on Monday, we're right back grumbling and griping and complaining, right back walking and murmuring and saying, dear Lord, I wish I could get rid of this. I wish I could overcome this. The third thing that the Lord impressed upon me this morning or today. First, addicted to events, focused on emotion, and then they embraced entitlement. I deserve it. I deserve it. Pillars of fire, pillars of cloud, guarded them, and still they felt entitled. God gave them manna from heaven's bakery, and they were not happy. They wanted quail. Bitter waters were made sweet and drinkable. That's still not enough for me. Hallelujah. And we find that God watched over them, amen, and kept them. He could have killed them all and raised up a new nation to Moses. But, oh, thank God for his long suffering. But as you begin to see, they did not have dominion. They had feelings, but they didn't have dominion. They had emotions, but they didn't have dominion. They had entitlement, but they didn't have dominion. They had events, but they didn't have dominion. One day was singing songs of victory. The next day we're grumbling, drinking bitter waters of Mara. Complaining about having to leave Mount Sinai and wishing we could go back. Focusing on how that we can't go and, and win so the ten spies give an evil report and everybody's feelings. Well, I feel they're correct. I feel they are right. And so their, their, their entitlement rises and says, I deserve better water. I deserve more water. I deserve more supplies. I deserve a better shade than that sorry cloud in the sky. I should deserve prosperity. All the while on the other side of Jordan, there are houses that they didn't build. There was lands that they had never worked for. There was vineyards that they did not plant. There were things waiting for them on the other side. All they could see was the obstacle. All they could see was the problem. All they could see that they would have to give of themselves something. Finally, the last old, I mean this kindly, I mean this very kindly, the last old Downton geezer dies. Can you imagine being at that funeral? Bury him already. Get rid of him already. We got things to do. That next generation said, we are the Joshua generation. We are the Joshua generation. And we got something that we got to go do. We're not banking on our feelings. We're banking on a promise. We're not banking on entitlement. We're going to bank on responsibility. We're not banking on a handout. We're banking on 
on a prayer meeting. We're not banking on somebody giving me a church. We're not banking on somebody blessing me with money. I'm just going to go and I'm going to be like Caleb and say, give me Give me this mountain. I'm 80 plus years old, but somebody had better get out of my way. Come on and lift your hands and praise the Lord. Joshua 1 and 5. Here's the promise for the Joshua generation. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. I know the enemy has got his ugly head. I know the demons are rising. I know it's bad in our world, but I've got a promise from God. If I will dare pass over, if I will dare get out of my feelings and get out of my entitlement and get out of my emotions and get out of my events, I'm going to cross over because I got a promise. He said, I'll not fail thee. I will not give. For three months, three solid months, I have battled the spirit of quit. I have battled it. Quit. Don't preach this message. Don't talk about it. Amen. But there's a reason why the book says, be of good courage. Be of good courage. It's time for some of us to get a Holy Ghost boldness about us. A Holy Ghost backbone that says, I'm passing over. I'm passing over. He said, Verse 6, be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people thou shalt divide for an inheritance the land. Somebody said territory. Which I swear unto their fathers to give thee. Only be thou strong and very courageous. That thou mayest do what? That thou mayest do what? That thou mayest do what? We think dominion is a feeling and an emotion. Dominion is not a feeling and emotion. Dominion is obedience. Oh, that went over real well, Brother St. Clair. We think, we th we think it, it, that if I go and I have a feeling and emotion, then I've got dominion. Show me where that's in the Bible. There is not one place that says dominion is based on how good your service was on Sunday. It is not based on how high camp meeting 23 will be this week. But it is based on the word that said, I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you dominion. But you have to decide if you are going to cross over or not. If you are going to make your way to the place of promise, to the place of power, to the place where the blind is seen and the dead is raised. Somebody say dominion is obedience. I'll show you a little bit more here in a minute. 
He said, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from the right hand or to the left. Now thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Look at this. Can I borrow somebody's Bible right quick? Anybody got a Bible on this platform? I went off and left my Bible at home, and I hate it because I need my book. Thank you, Pastor Wedding. Look at verse 8. Can y'all put that on the screen? How about we read this together? The book of the law, read aloud. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, for then, for then. Somebody say then, for then, for then. I want a feeling, Pastor. I want an event. I want some emotion. No, he said, get this book and eat it, read it, live it, breathe it, believe it, and then obey it. He said, let it be in you. Then you'll be prosper. Verse 9, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. You got your phone, hold it up. Reach in your purse, reach in your pocket. Hold your phone up. This is an iPhone 8. I said this is an iPhone 8. Anybody got one of those other pagan phones? What do you call them? Androidite. I'm so sick and tired of this being the downfall of way too many people of God. If you can't control this... Don't expect to be cast out, devils. If you can't control this, don't expect to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You got to start somewhere with some dominion. You got to start someplace and say, greater is he that is in me than he that's in this iPhone. Greater is he that's in me than any app that's on here. And if it's not a God, I'm kicking it out. I'm kicking TikTok off my phone. The first time an antichrist thing comes up on that app, delete it. Thank you, young man. I want you to I want you to go in and take the promised land. But before you do that, here's some things that's got to happen. We're going to circumcise all the men. Because before you go into the promised land and you deal with all those ites, you got to kill your flesh. The reason that those people said, take me back to the wilderness, is they knew 
they'd have to kill their flesh to kill those giants. But we don't want to kill flesh. He said, we're going to reinstitute circumcision. I don't know why they hadn't been doing it. I, I, I never could figure that out. And then they also reinstituted Passover. You mean they have not had Passover again? I don't know. I can't find any place. I don't, I, I don't, I don't read that they ever did. And so the Lord is saying, listen, you're going to need to have a relationship with me. You're going to need to commune with me. And then you need to cut off your flesh. And the next thing you got to have is you got to have what Joshua had. And that was one day when he, somebody came up to him and he reached and drew the sword. And he said, are you a foe or are you a friend? And the angel of the Lord said, I am the captain of the Lord's host. Can I just tell you that we've got to have an encounter with God to get a plan to know how to deal with this world we're living in. We need a Holy Ghost encounter with a divine leader so we can hear him say, hey, Here's how you take Jericho. Here's what you do now that you've been consecrated and now that you've reinstituted relationship. I'm going to tell you how to take the very first city. When they crossed over, something happened. Something unique happened. There's a scripture that says, and the manna ceased you know what else ceased the pillar of cloud of fire and the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night I can't find it anywhere after that here's the, the difficulty with passing over is that when you pass over handouts turn into responsibilities Handouts turn into responsibilities. He said, listen, I got you set up. I got your fields that you've never planted. But one of these days, you better save some of that corn because you're going to have to replant that corn. You're going to have to dig the field a little bit. You're going to have to work. I'm going to give you houses, but you got to get the enemy out of that house. I'm going to give you towns, but you got to get the enemy out of that town. Amen. We want God to bless us. That is a wilderness mentality that says, give me without a fight. Give me without responsibility. Give me without a prayer meeting. Give me without Bible study. Give me without following the Lord. Give me without obeying my pastor. Give me with this. Give me with that. One man said, God is cutting off the manna to tell us to roll up our sleeves. Tell us to roll up our sleeves. We had better learn in this hour how to dig some things out if we want to walk in dominion, if we want to face the ites, if we want to face devils, and we want to face demons. We better learn how to roll up our sleeves and say, Jericho, I know you look impenetrable. I know that you look impossible. I know, Jericho, but God said... Oh, praise him, praise him, praise him. All you guys on the front row, come go with me. Line up right behind me. I want you to line like yesterday. Praise God. So God says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to march around Jericho, and you're not going to say a word. 
monte. But I don't feel anything. I don't feel any doodads. God don't care about your doodads. Shut up in March. You see, they knew about emotions. They knew about events. But what they didn't know about was process. Well, they didn't understand that there's sometimes dominion doesn't come in a feeling. It comes in process. Dominion doesn't come in an emotion. It comes with obedience. It looks like this is the silliest thing that I could do. Amen. Be faithful to church, every service, lift my hands and worship and praise the Lord even about the only one in the youth group. I'm just going to go do it. I'm just going to go do it. Because I've got dominion. Because I'm going to face some devils. I'm going to face. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Okay. I, I, I know you want to shout and speak in tongues, but you're supposed to be quiet. One day. We're on day three. I'll hurry up the process so y'all don't get lost. Nobody said nothing. Then on day seven, they marched around not once. They marched around not twice, not three times. I guarantee you somebody in the back is going, oh, God, what is my pastor doing? Not saying anything, man. What in the world is going on? You want dominion? Then you have to step out with crazy obedience. When you don't understand it, when you don't understand it, when you don't understand it, amen, because there's coming a day, it's coming a moment, it's going to be the seventh time of the seventh day, and when you hear the trumpet, here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to shout with all of your might, hallelujah. Is that not, is that not too sophisticated for you? Is that not too, you know, high protocol for you? Oh God, if we're going to have dominion, we've got to be willing to cross over. got a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. The prophet Ezekiel called the land of Israel the glory of all lands. The NIV records of that verse the most beautiful of all lands. You talk to a Hebrew and they love the promised land. Daniel called it a pleasant land, a glorious land. It is described as a land flowing with milk and honey. In a proverbial sense, it's meant to be a land of plenty. The prophet Ezekiel said that Jerusalem was in the center of, the, of nations and the land of Israel was the center of the world. Do you know what God called it? Do you know what God called this territory? 
What does he call territory when his people embrace obedience and faith in the word? When we value faithfulness over manna and pillars? When we pull down strongholds that the enemy has set up against the kingdom of God? When we believe in living in victory is more important than experiencing victory? When we go into the world and we preach the gospel in every nation and we start a church when we have the will of God behind us and nothing else looks like it's possible. What does God call passing over and taking the kingdom to territory? Here's what it says in Hebrews 4 and 10. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us. Here's an oxymoron statement that you've ever read in Scripture. He just said you need to rest and cease from your own works. And then he says, let us labor, therefore to enter into the rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. The word rest here in the Greek is not the same Greek word as for Sabbath in some of the other verses in these preceding verses. But the word rest here describes literally ceasing from one's work or activity. It is a compound word that means to cast down and stop. Thayer states that this word speaks of putting something to rest as if to calm a wind. We enter into his rest because that's what God calls the promised land. That's what God calls taking territory. That's what God calls winning victory over the ites and winning victory over the enemy. He said, I want you to enter into my rest, but you can't enter in your rest, enter into his rest, trying to do it your own way and trying to work it in your own works and trying to do it with your own show and trying to do it with your own power. He said, but here's what you're going to do. You're going to labor to enter into my rest. You're going to put up my works. For he said, greater works than these shall you do. Hallelujah. We want greater works than we got to cross over. Kill this flesh. Cross over. Kill this flesh and cross over. There were seven nations. God said you have to go in and conquer. The Hittites, look it up. Hittites mean fear. The Gergesites means compromise. I could spend a whole time on this, but I'm going to just run through them. Go home and preach it to your home church. Amorites mean pride and rebellion. Why do they call it pride? Month, week, year. There's a giant of narcissism today that says, we believe in self-worship. Leave us alone. But it is the fear of the Lord to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way and the forward mouth, he said, do I hate. The Amorites, the Canaanites, which speaks of intelligence, secular intelligence or idolatry uh, intelligence. When you begin to look, there was the Persasites. That means without restraint or without protection. Unwalled literally is what they were. The Hivites were deception. And on and on, we had to, you have to 
kick out the Jebusites. Those are demoralizing spirits, defiling spirits, and destroying. If you don't think the devil's working in your mind, he's doing it. He's doing it. He's working in your mind. You call it this and that, but it's the enemy. It's an height. It's time to take dominion over it and say, I cast you out of my thinking. I cast you out. Unbelief, you got to go. Doubt and fear, you got to go. We can't cross over idea. You got to go. Quit, you got to go. Give up, you got to go. We are living in a day where if we can feel something, oh, you have a good church. We had good church. I felt something. Mm. Man, wow, did we have a great move of God. But did you take dominion? Did you take dominion over that lying spirit? Did you take dominion over that addiction of pornography? Did you take addiction? Did you take the dominion over the enemy tempting you to do? Can I just tell you, it is not appropriate. It is not appropriate, young ladies, for you to send a picture of your body to anybody. Things of value stay covered up. I'm tired of our young men being taken and held captive by pornography because it's such an easy spirit to get a hold of folks. It's time to cross over and say, not on our watch. We'll pray it out. We'll teach it out. We'll help them out. But not now. We're not going to bury our head in sand. I, I just, I'm fed up with it. I said, no, I don't want to just march around in the wilderness and have a good church. I want to cross over. Brother Wilson, I got to cross over. I got to take dominion in my life. Stand with me, please. Do you remember the story where Jesus said to his disciples, I got to go to the Gadarenes? I got to go to the other side. Anybody remember that? When he got to the other side, what did he find? What did Jesus find on the shores of the Gadarenes? What? A devil possessed man who had legion. And they, they tried to chain him and they couldn't chain him and they tried to tie him up and they couldn't tie him up. They tried to help him and they couldn't help him. He had demons, legions of demons in him. What happened when he cast the devils out of that man? What did those devils say? Cast us anywhere, but don't cause us to get out of the territory. Jesus did not come primarily to deliver the man. He came primarily to take territory. His primary purpose was to say, devil, you are not welcome here. You are not welcome here. 
Now the man was delivered and he was set free. Can I tell you our primary purpose for being here is to take territory. On Sunday morning we ought to be taking territory in our service, not just having emotional high time. Sunday night we ought to be taking territory and not giving it back to the enemy. Amen. Through our life we ought to be taking territory and say, oh God, I refuse to give it up. This is my inheritance. Behold, I give you power, Jesus said, to tread on serpents and scorpions and overpower all the power of the enemy and nothing shall it by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice. Not the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. We don't brag about dominion, we just take it. It's time for habits to be broken tonight. It is time for habits to be broken tonight. Nicotine is a habit that God can heal you of like that. My dad was a, a good Baptist. He loved the Lord with all that he knew. But one day, walking down the halls of Laterno University, his Bible was open and he wasn't paying any attention. And he said he heard a voice that said, pull off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. He looked down and his Bible was open and a light, a supernatural light shone on one verse. You know what that verse was? Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift. My dad went to the library and researched how that he found in history that the original formula of baptism was in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He went and got my mom and they got some clothes and some towels. It wasn't church time, it was baptizing time. And they drove from church to church until they encountered a man and said, do you baptize in the name of Jesus? They took him and baptized him in the name of the Lord. My dad said when he come out of the water, a man told him, you're a candidate for the Holy Ghost. My dad said, I don't know nothing about that tongue-talking stuff. He was tearing and seeking. You see, the Lord had already taken him and delivered him from a three-pack of cigarette a habit a day, a three-pack-a-day habit. God took it away from him like that, and he started praying, and he started praying, and he said, oh, God, I need this Holy Ghost. They told me about it. I need this Holy Ghost. And a big old coffee pot appeared in a vision before him. And the Lord said, if you'll get rid of this, I'll fill you with this Holy Ghost. Hmm, quiet you are. God delivered him from his nicotine habit in a moment. But he had to go cold turkey. You see, he was raised in South Calcasieu River, Louisiana, where they give you that old chicory coffee that, man, it'll make your hair stand on the back of your head. And, and he was addicted to it. And the Lord said, are you willing to give it up? Are you willing to give it up? 
and he said yes, went home and destroyed his coffee pot and come back to the altar the next day and God filled him with the whole, he still had to deal with that hankering, he still had to deal. We want an easy way into our promised land, but sometimes it declares that you have to have discipline. Anybody want to cross over? Anybody want to be a Hebrew today? Come on, come to this altar. We're going to have some deliverance in this house tonight. We're going to take some territory in this house. This message would mean nothing if we don't take territory, if we don't claim territory in the name of Jesus, if we don't subdue and have dominion in the name of the Lord. Come on and praise Him.